Uh, again, welcome to the Yecheskel Shir Ilu Nishmosim Ephraim Shmuel Ben Avramari HaKohen and Chaya Tova Bas Eliezer Mendel HaKohen on the book of Shmuel, Yecheskel, Shmuel, Yecheskel. We're in chapter 8 in verse 6. Um, just a background, last week uh, God has taken Yecheskel on a tour of Yerushalayim uh, Yechezkel is actually sitting in Babylonia, but he's been transported through a prophetic vision to Yerushalayim. Uh, originally, God took him to um, the northern gate, one of the northern gates. I'll show you the picture again now, just to show you where it was. Um, Cher. Uh, I'm not very good at this. Okay, Cher. Uh, yeah, so that's the picture which we had last week. Those are the four northern gates of the base of Migdosh, of the first temple. Um, and there, which is the gate of the offering, which is the third one from the left. Uh, right outside, you can see the red sign that was an idol there, a, se- uh, a semel. And uh, it, uh, that was what was infuriating God. And that's what uh, he was being, Yechezkel is being shown uh, as the first stage in his tour of the Beis Amikdosh, his first stage, uh, stage of the tour of the Beis Amikdosh before it's destroyed. And we discussed that the idol outside, uh, this Semel, um, was a four-cornered idol uh, representing God's chariot, which, of course, uh, couldn't infuriate God more because uh, of all the things that you can pick to depict as an idol, uh, depicting God's chariot is should be your last choice. So that's where Yechezkel was, and that's where he's looking at, that's what he's being shown um, at this point. So I'll stop the share now. Just on the right, the picture depicts the four northern gates, the gate of song, the women's gate, the gate of the offering, which is the one that we're talking about, and Yechonia's gate. In all, there were, uh, there's a machlokas, but so there's probably 13 gates leading into the base of Mikdosh. Um, so that's what he's being shown at the moment. Stop the share. And I hope everyone saw that. And now in verse 6, chapter 8, verse 6, God speaks to Yechezkel about what he's been shown. And God said to me, Ben Odom, son of man. Um, and I just want to repeat something that I've, I've said over a couple of times. What we see right through this book is uh, Yechezkel being described as Ben Adam. So in Kabbalistic terms, there's a reason for that. Not, no other prophet is described as Ben Adam. So the Ari, uh, just to reiterate what I've said to you on maybe two or three occasions before, Ben Adam um, kind of indicates that Yechezkel is the Gilgal, uh, is the reincarnated soul of Cain, Cain. Um, who went into exile, and he was the son of Adam, um, possibly the firstborn son of Adam. But uh, Cain and Abel, the story of Cain and Abel, Cain killed, killed Abel, and he was sent into exile. So the Ari says that uh, the reason why Yechezkel is called Ben Adam um, is because he's a Tikkun. He has come back to, his soul has come back, Cain's soul has come back to seek some type of uh, tikkun. I don't know exactly how to translate the word tikkun in, into English, but to a repair, a repair job on the soul. So the Ichaiskul also went into exile. Anyway, 
That all being said, Bayomer Eli Ben Adam, Horoah Atom Mohaim. Can you see what they are doing? Mohaim Osim, what are they doing? Tovos, Gedolos, great abominations, Asher Beish Yisrael, Osimpo, which the house of Israel are doing here in my house. The Roch Kome Al Mikdoshi, and they're doing it to cause me to distance myself from my own house, from my own sanctuary. The old Tosh of Tira Tovos Gedolos. And uh, you're going to see, this is just the start. You're going to see uh, plenty more of this as we continue our tour. So just to give you the uh, what God's saying to him in a nutshell, the Baal just gives you an insight here. He says, And uh, the Baal points out here, if you look at the... Uh, in the text, I don't know if it's in your copies, but the word mahem and mayhem um, uh, is a Greek sieve. So really, it's one word, but it's read as two words. And um, the, the, if you read it mahem, um, what do you think about them? And the word mayhem means from them, like look what they're doing. Um, and the Bible now points out this is one of fifteen. Um, occasions in the Tanakh where you have one word that's read as two or two words that's read as one. Well, but there's a whole list of them, but they're not, they're not really relevant to us. Um, and then he says that God says, They're doing this, they're putting idols around the place uh, to distance me, God, from my sanctuary. And God's saying the Jews are, are intentionally doing it. They're deliberately trying to chase God out of his own house. And that's why they placed this semel, this idol, representing God's chariot, hakina, uh, that uh, caused God's to kedei lahakniyabo, in order to infuriate God, which it did. God didn't like it one little bit. And um, and then he says to him at the end of the verse, "For old Toshu, for old Toshu of Tiratovos God says, "This is listen. Don't think that this is a one-off. This is the beginning of the tour, as we'll see as Yecheskel goes further inside the base of Migdosh. He's going to be showing worse and worse images of the paganism that was going on in Yerushalayim and in the base of Migdosh as well, um, and." Uh, this particular idol was outside one of the northern gates of the base of Migdash, as we saw in the picture. Now God is going to take him um, inside the base of Migdash to, so he can see uh, something more internal, something, an abomination even more internal to the base of Migdash. So in verse 7 he says, God brought me to the entrance of the court, the, the, the courtyard, and as I went through the door, I saw that there was a hole in the wall. So Rashi says that God brought Yechesel up to the entrance, the doorway uh, of the very gate, that very northern gate, uh, the gate of sacrifices, um, where directly outside that gate was this idol, this semel, this four-cornered uh, idol. And as he goes through the entrance to the entrance into the Heichel, 
uh, onto the Chotzer, into the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, which was huge, by the way. The Chotzer of the Beit HaMikdash on, on uh, Yom Kippur could um, accommodate four million people. Uh, it's about a very big place. And uh, so at the, uh, at the door, Yecheskel notices a hole, either in the, uh, in the lintel or in the wall itself of the door. Um uh, verse eight. Bayomrelai and he says to me, Benodon, Chasar no Bakir, dig, dig into the wall, dig through that hole. Bakir And Yechesel says, I dug into the wall. Now obviously if he if he was actually there um digging into solid stone he wouldn't be able to do it. But uh, as this is a vision, an image, a prophecy, uh, and it's his imagination. So as we know, when you're in a dream, there's uh, unlimited things you can do. You can fly, you can, you can do, virtually do anything, and it all seems natural. So this is, again, a proof that uh, he wasn't really there. Um, so, so he's really in Babylonia at, at his house with, uh, with guests. The guests the, were the uh, elders of uh, Yehuda. So he, he digs into the wall, v'hinei Pesach Echod. And as he digs in the wall, he sees a door, an entranceway into another chamber. And uh, so what does he do? Vayomre Eli. And God said to him, verse 9, Vayomre Eli, God said to him, God said to me, come and see the evil, the abominations that they are doing here. So um, the Malbim says here, Vayomre Eli, Mitzayin should... Uh, God is pointing out that this generation did their dark deeds, did their paganism, and served Avodah uh, Zorah, pagan rituals, in secret, like in a, in a hidden doorway, like you see in the films, like you press a button and some hidden door opens and uh, it takes you into a room that you never knew was there. So he's like, he's, Yecheskel's like broken through an area uh, in the doorway and uh, it's taken into the Pesach to a, 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 an inner door, a secret door, and he's going through the door and, and God says to him, you, 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 ain't, you ain't gonna believe what you're gonna see here. But Hashem Gilalos Israel, God reveals the secret chamber where they uh, worshipped Avodah Zorah, ilu as if, as if, he says, the Malbim says, it's as if he has dug a tunnel, Umotza uh, Pesach, and accessed an area, accessed a, an entranceway into a chamber, Lirosas Marseille, to observe exactly what's going on in this secret chamber within the confines of the actual base of Migdosh. So in verse 10, Bo'ovo, and I came, and I saw, and I looked around, and uh, like on the walls, and on the ceilings, and everywhere I looked, there were images of creeping animals, like Kishrotzin, uh, spiders, and creepy crawlies, animals, uh, and uh, all sorts of uh, uh, scorpions and all that type of stuff. The whole Galule Beisisra and all the idols that uh, of the Jewish people. 
Mechuka al Hakir were engraved on the walls, Soviv, Soviv, around and around. So he's coming to this room, um, and uh, he's seen like a so like a Masonic lodge. Like you come into this room, and it's weird because it's set out differently from every other room, and there are images everywhere, everywhere you look, on the floor, on the ceiling, on the walls. Images of gods and uh, of not gods, but images of idols, images of uh, animals that were worshipped. Every every type of uh, despicable uh, pagan worship was present in this room. So, like the first vision, the second one, um, including the expression, it starts off by saying "Kol Tavnis Remes," uh, every form of creeping thing. So, um, this second vision is also directly connected, as the first one was, to a biblical prohibition um, and describes a different type of idolatry. The first type of idolatry that uh, he's witnessed was a semel, which is mentioned in the Torah, uh, to create an idol that is a represent, physical representation of something, of something you believe um, about, has got its abode in the spiritual world. That's a senna. But this form of idolatry is different, and it's got different psukim that deal with it. And the biblical background to this second description of the idolatry being carried out in the base of Migdash is found in Devorim as well, also in chapter 4, just like the first imagery. And this is Devorim chapter 4, the full verses, 15 to 18. Um, God warns the Jewish people. V'nishmarta, this again, Devorim chapter 4, verses 15 to 18. V'nishmarta ma'od l'nafshoseche. Watch over yourselves very well. Ki lo re'isem kol t'munah bayom diber Hashem aleichem b'chorev mitokha esh. Bear in mind, you did not see any imagery on the day that God spoke to you on Chorev, which is on Mount Sinai, from the fire. Pentashchison, you should not become corrupt. Pesel, you shouldn't make for yourselves a pesel, a graven images. Tumunas kol semel, a representation of any shape you believe is in the in in the spiritual realm. Tavnis zechar zochor in the cave, or a lightness. As a, a tavernus is a likeness, we'll see exactly what the word means in a second. But I'll translate it at the moment as a word likeness. Tavernus, zochor, and a cave. You're not allowed to make any imagery uh, of anything uh, that's living, whether it be male or female. Tavernus, kol behemah. Neither the likeness of a, uh, of a domesticated animal, a sheva oretz, which lives on the earth. Tavernus, called sipar or representation of imagery or, or likeness of a bird, konof, ashatov, bashamayim, its wings with which it flies through the heavens, tavnis kol remes, uh, tavnis kol romes badoma. And also, similarly, you're not allowed to create the likeness of anything that crawls on the ground. Tavnis kol dogo, bamayim ores. Neither are you allowed to create imagery or shapes, or, or or likenesses of any fish that live under live in the sea, uh, and the simple reading of of the verse 
is that Yechezkel here in this vision entered the secret chamber inside the base of Mikdosh and saw every one of these types of images. He's always already seen the Semel outside. But now he's gone to the secret chamber uh, and he's, uh, he can see, uh, I imagine with great shock, every type of Im- image prohibited by the Torah, uh, as we just uh, discussed in the verses be- above. Like everything he knows Psukim were present in this chamber. Oh, they were engraved on the walls or painted on the walls or on the floors or on the ceilings. And uh, the language at the end of the verse, Soviv, Soviv, indicates that every one of the four walls and the uh, ceiling and the floor were covered in this pagan artwork. So it, the the implication, the simple understanding of this verse, is that Yechezkel has been taken into a secret chamber that the Jewish pagans of Yerushalayim had actually built inside the Beis HaMikdosh, which is horrifying uh, in, in and of itself. Um, and uh, he's being shown. This, this this incredible room that was used for the worship of e- almost every type of pagan uh, idolatry you could possibly imagine, and every one of which is absolutely forbidden by name in the Torah. So it's as, almost as if, again, the Kavanah, they, there's an intention here, there's an intention by the Jews, that have, the pagan Jews that have read the Torah, to deliberately do what the Torah tells you you're not allowed to do. So, remembering this is uh, all in Yechezkel's imagination, so on that basis, the Abarbanel has got a very interesting take on how to understand this vision. So, um, and uh, unique, really. And he says like this, Yechezkel says, I saw the name called Tavnis Remus of Ahema Shekets for Kol I saw all these images and all these drawings and all these uh, statues and everything. It was everything there. Covering the walls, engraved in the walls, painted on the walls. He says, Every type of avodah imaginable was carved or painted onto the walls and ceiling. And the hole that Yechezkel dug into the doorway and the tunnel which was in the wall leading to this secret chamber, says the Abarbanel, seems to me was not really a case of Yechezkel's prophecy that was taking place in the Beis HaMikdash at all. He says, Because we don't have any evidence to suggest that there were these, there was this type of hidden room where this type of carvings and paintings and images found anywhere in the Beis HaMikdash at any time. Avol HaInyanu, but the, what God has done here, rather, says the Abel after God showed him the idol outside, the four-headed idol outside, God wanted to show Yechezkel how all the Jewish pagans in Yerushalayim, and there were a lot of them, practiced their Avodah Zorah in their own room, or in their own home. And because all the Jewish pagans practice secretly at home, 
or practice secretly together in somebody else's home. So God, when devising the Im- imagery for Yecheskel to see, combined the, all the images of all the Jewish pagans practicing their Avodah Zorah in the privacy of their own home, such that Yecheskel saw, what Yecheskel saw was a contrived vision of all these separate images, of all these individuals wor- worshipping uh, idolatry in their own homes, which God converted into a panoramic view of them all practicing Avodah Zorah in one room in the Beis Amikdash, surrounded on all sides by all the different pagan symbols that each of these individuals were worshipping. So that there was no room, says the Abba There was no room. That in his imagination, in his prophetic vision, God, so to speak, has created an image whereby all the pagans of Israel, all the pagans of Yushalayim, who practiced different types of Avodah Zorah, were all combined into one um, combined vision, so that what Yecheskel saw, although he saw it as a secret room inside the base of Migdosh, uh, the actuality of it was that God took all the imagery of all the private houses, he took all the people and all the images that they were worshipping in the privacy of their own homes, and put them all into one room, so that Yechetzkel could um, um, experience, so to speak, uh, experience the, uh, uh, the sensation as if it was one big room where all these thousands of people were worshipping idols together within the confines of the base of Migdosh. So again, Yechezkel is seeing one room in the base of Migdosh covered in pagan symbolism, but the reality was that what he was seeing was a cut-and-paste image of a large number of Jewish pagans in their own homes, appearing to be gathered together in one room in the base of Migdosh, worshipping Avodah Zorah, worshipping idols together. But exactly who were all these pagans? And it seems, uh, from the, uh, the way it's described, that there was a huge amount of people there in this room uh, that were worshipping all these different images and all these different statues and all these different uh, carved uh, 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 pieces, uh, carved images that were on the walls uh, in this supposedly secret room in the base of Middush, um but were actually doing it in their own homes. It depends which way you look at it. From the Barbanel's perspective, it's a, a combined image other commentators not said not say no. This is what he was seeing. Is what you saw is what you get. That uh, this room actually existed. But uh, the opinion of Barbanel appeals to me because this is a, again, it's a prophetic uh, experience. In the prophetic experience, it's the imagination that's at work. And uh, as we understand that when we're in state of subconscious, like when we're in dream in a dream state, we can imagine. Uh, any type of situation and while we're in the dream state it doesn't seem out of place it doesn't seem unnatural it's only when we wake up and if we remember the dream and we review it at that point we realize that you know really we can't fly or really you know uh, I couldn't have met so and so in the dream because he's been dead for 20 years so but while it's going on it all seems pretty real Um, so Exactly who were these people and uh, that he was witnessing? 
So the Gemara in Sanhedrin deals with a famous story later on in the book of Yechezkel, uh, which is a book that we're going to spend a lot of time on, but not yet, because it's in the 37th chapter. Uh, we'll get to it eventually, please God. Um, and the 37th chapter of Yechezkel, this is only 29 chapters from, from now, so we'll be there before you know it. Um, and chapter 37 deals with the famous story of the red, res, resurrection of the dead in the Valley of the Dry Bones. I'm not going to say too much about it, but uh, Yechezkel witnesses and uh, is, takes part in, uh, there's a valley and he goes there and the valley is piled high with the bones of dead people. And God says to him, do you think these, well, we'll see exactly what happens, isn't it? but uh, uh, God God, uh, God uh, asks him, do you think these dead people who have obviously been dead for a long time because all they are is skeletons, do you think they could ever be brought back to life? And Yechezkel, then they have a conversation. Uh, and then these, these bones are brought back to life. Um, and the question is, in that story, which again, we'll deal with in great detail later on, exactly whom were resurrected in the story that uh, has yet to unfold, that story in chapter 37. So this is what the Gemara in Sanhedrin on Daftzadi Beis on page 92 deals with. The Gemara there says, in the name of Shmuel, these dead that Yechezkel, uh, that, uh, Yechezkel assisted in reviving in the Valley of the Dry Bones were the people who denied the resurrection of the dead. And uh, which is one of the um, uh, 13 Ikore Emuna, um, and this is uh, Apostle in Yechezkel in chapter 37 verse 11 again still being called Ben Adam God said to me Ben Adam son of man these bones are all the house of Israel uh, and they're, they're here in this valley because they say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are doomed, we are cut off. In other words, uh, death is the end. There's no idea of resurrection of the, of the dead. Um, and God tells Yechezkel in that verse, he tells them, They'd lost hope. They'd lost hope of uh, being ever being resurrected. And uh, so that's the opinion of Shmuel. The Gemara then says, Rabbi Yirmir Bar Abba says, these people, um, these dry bones in this valley, where there was not even the moist residue of a mitzvah, that's why they were dry. They were dr- not only were they dry bones, they were dry uh, to give over the impression that they'd never done a mitzvah in their life. Uh, as it says, Hatsomos Hayveshos, Shimu Devar Hashem. O dry bones, hear the word of God, which is also in that chapter. Um, and so that he says, even during their lifetime, they were comparable to dry bones because they, uh, they, they, they were never moistened by the water, the Mayim. Ain, ain, mayim is uh, moisture, and Mayim is a representation of Torah. Ain Torah Ela Mayim. Ain Mayim Ela Torah. When the, when the, uh, Gomorrah refers to Mayim, it's talking about Torah. And these people had no Mayim, they had no Torah, so they were, they were compared to dry bones. And then the Gomorrah says, 
Who were these people? These are the people who covered the base of Migdosh with the repugnant creatures and creeping animals, as it states in Yechezkel. When he went into this room, or he had this vision created for him, he saw every type of Zorro, as we've discussed, uh, painted, carved, statues everywhere in the room on, on all four corners, Soviv, Soviv, all around. Um, and it's, he's, and the Gomorrah continues, and it's written there. Yeah. Sorry? Yes. Not only pornographic, but it's got pictures of animals as in, dressed up as idols and, uh, or, or, yeah, there was a, you can imagine there was a lot of pornography because pornography is one of the centerpieces of, uh, of, uh, paganism. So yes, yeah, uh, yeah, every, everything was there. You know, you know, every type of a Bodazori you can think of was, uh, either drawn, painted, uh, carved, uh, statued, uh, somewhere in this, uh, in this environment. That's what he was seeing. So, again, back to what we're dis- discussing. So, Rabbi Yitzchak Nafka says, the people in the dry, the, the, the dead bodies and the dry bones were all these people that Yechezkel witnessed earlier on, here in chapter 8. And um, and the Gemara says, it's written there, with regard to the prophecy of the dry bones, uh, also, also in chapter 37, Soviv, Soviv. And God made me pass by them, soviv, soviv, round and round. And there was a huge amount of bodies, dead bodies, dried out dead bodies around the uh, valley. And they were completely dry. But it describes there, soviv, soviv. Now, the, the only two times the word soviv soviv occurs in the um, occurs in the Tanakh is in chapter eight in our pasuk, where all these uh, creatures and uh, pagan uh, engravings and carvings and uh, paintings uh, that Yechezkel is seeing were described as soviv soviv, and also later on in the Valley of the Dry Bones, when Yechezkel is walking around to see how many people there are there, and they're uncountable, there's so many, it also describes him as him walking around, Soviv, Soviv. So Rabbi Yitzchok Nafcha says, there's a Gzeira Shava here, that there's a, what we call a verbal analogy, that the Tanakh is trying to tell you something, with the word Soviv, Soviv, uh, that appears in both verses, um, that each verse is referring to the same people. So now you know what's going to become of these people, the people that Yechezkel is witnessing um, in either this uh, composite imagery or this this uh, secret room inside the base of Migdosh. Eventually, he's going to meet up with them again in the Valley of the Dry Bones when they're brought back to life. So um, that's that's one aspect. The Ben Yehoyada... Um, uh, based on this Gemara, 
uh, wants to know why these evil Jewish pagans from our story were ever resurrected. Because the reality is, in chapter 37, what, we see, what we're going to see is that in the Valley of the Dry Bones, these people, the, these dry bones, the, 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 uh, the um, flesh and the blood and the nerves and everything else starts to um, be uh, revitalized around these bones and they all come back to life. And uh, we've just been told by the Gemara that the, who were these people? These people were they, all these guys that Yechezkel is witnessing worshipping all these Avodazoras. So the Ben Yoyola says, well, why, why would God bring back to life the worst of the worst? These Jewish pagans, um, what, what on earth are they being resurrected for? After all, we know from, we know from, um, the, the, we know from, uh, the Gomorrah in Sanhedrin in, in, at the start of, um, uh, uh, the final Perik of Sanhedrin, every Jew is born with his ticket to the world to come. It's something that's yours to lose. One of the ways of losing it is Avodah Zorah. That's a guarantee. If you really want, if you, you've got to work hard, but uh, if you really want to lose your share in the world to come, so Avodah Zorah is a really good, a really good method of avoiding it. And it's a really good method of avoiding resurrect, being resurrected at the end of days as well. So the Ben Yoda says, what's going on? How can it be? He, he quotes the Gemara. He says, mm-hmm. He says, Kosher, it's difficult. What one can understand, according to the, the opinion. He quotes another opinion, which I didn't quote yet. Well, I didn't quote because there's quite a few opinions in the Gemara. But Bishlam uh, al-Lamanda on B'nai Ephraim. One can understand why the dead in the story of the dry bones were resurrected if you hold like the opinion that says the dead people were from the tribe of Ephraim who tried to escape from Egypt 30 years before the Exodus. If you remember the story, uh, there were a group from the tribe of Ephraim that tried to leave Egypt early uh, and were killed in the desert by the Pelishtim from the t- from the city of Gas Gat, which today is Kiryat Gat. Um, and uh, so there is one opinion that the Valley of the Dry Bones, uh, the dead in the dry, Valley of the Dry Bones, are members of the tribe of Ephraim who tried to leave Egypt before they were given permission to do so, and were annihilated by the Pelishtim by the Philistines. Um, uh, after they tried to go north from Egypt and pass through the Gaza Strip, they were ambushed by the Pelishtim and massacred to a man. So if you say, okay, so these people, so you can understand why God would want to resurrect them. He says, Abel Elu, but these people, these Jewish pagans who were worshipping Avodah Zorah in the base of Midrash, why on earth would God want to resurrect these people? And so he says, Venerali, and it appears to me, He says, it appears to me that these terrible sinners from Yushalayim were resurrected so that Nebuchadnezzar and his army and his people and his mercenaries from all the surrounding countries, Yodu, would know, that even the most evil men of Israel, Yeshlohan Takona, have a tikkun, have a mitigation. They have a kapora. There's something that can redeem them. 
V'chashuvin heim lifnei Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and every Jew, even those that um, even those that sink to the depths of worshiping Avodah Zarah inside the base of Migdash, they also have got a, a, a special place uh, uh, beside God. V'alkein nivholim v'sech zomu road, and um, and uh, the idea of these uh, Jews being resurrected was designed to bring fear and trembling to the Babylonians about the power of God and his the his ability or his willingness to forgive the Jews. Now the Gemara Menachos on Davkaf Tes Omad Beis that the Toys was there. The Gemara there is discussing the letters of the Torah. And uh, one of the uh, lessons of the to- one of the letters of the Torah lessons letters of the, the Aleph Beis is a hey. So the Gemara, the Torah says in the in Bereshis, behei borah, behi borom, and uh, the God, in literal translation, God created them, but the, the hey in behi borom is small. So the Gemara Menachos picks it up and says that God created the world, the physical world, with the letter hey. Exactly what the mechanics of that are. That's not our subject matter. But God created the uh, the physical world with the letter hey. So if you imagine the letter hey, so it's a long fall from the top, right? That um, and it's almost impossible to climb up. If you imagine the world, you can fall out of it. If you're not on the surface of the uh, of the hay, uh, around the outsides of the hay, so you, you go over the side. So it's a long drop to the bottom. But if you notice on the hay as well, there's a, there's the left hand side of the hay. It's got a gap halfway up. It's like a ches with a gap halfway up. And the Gemara says that that gap in a hay, which makes it different from a ches, is, is to tell you that even in the physical, well, not even in the physical world, that uh, even misbehavior in the physical world, there's a secret door. You can climb up the, the little wall on the left-hand side and climb back up and, climb and re-enter uh, God's good book, so to speak. So yeah, I'm not going to go into the the Toysus because it's a, a complicated Toysus, but that's the general idea that Toysus gives over there. Uh, and if you want to look at it again, it's in Menachos stuff, Kaftes on page 29b, a very long Toysus there. Um, but um, so what uh, what uh, uh, the Ben Yoyod is saying is that um, uh, these people in the Valley of the Dry Bones, uh, it's a message of hope. Uh, that uh, no matter how how far down a person goes, there's always hope. It's never too late. And um, as the Gomorrah Sanhedrin says, uh, that uh, very, very few people lose their place in the world to come. And my Rabbi Zechot Sadli Lerocha says, it's, it's a lifetime's uh, job. Like you really have to put the effort in that Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelil Olam that the Jews are born, every Jewish person is born with a ticket to the next world and it's yours to lose. But in order to lose it, you've got to work very, very hard to to get rid of it, to get rid of your uh, your ticket. And um, that makes us completely different with the obverse of Christianity because in, in that sense, we are the complete contradiction to the Christian belief. Because the Christian belief is that everybody's born a sinner. 
Everybody's born without an, a ticket to the world to come. And the only way to acquire a ticket to the world to come is to believe in Jesus. So that, that is the, I would say the, the primary difference in philosophy, um, between Judaism and Christianity in that Judaism believes you're born, uh, with the ticket to the next world and it's yours to lose. The Christians believe you're born without a ticket to next, the next world. And, uh, you've got to, uh, you've got to acquire it, um, by accepting Jesus in this world. So this is, this is, um, uh, Yecheskel's vision. He's seeing this huge room, uh, a huge room inhabited by, uh, well, if it's the people from the driver, you're talking about uh, a lot of people all worshipping different Avodazoras or calling out to carvings and paintings and images and all sorts of nonsense. And God's showing him, he says, look at these people. And uh, he says, he sees, verse 11, he says, V'shivim ish mizikne beit Yisrael, and among them were 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel. V'yaznayo v'aznayohu ben shofon omed besocho, omdim lifnehem. And this Yazanyahu, the son of Shofon, was standing in, um, among them, and Omdim Lefnehem, standing before the images. Ve'ish maktirto maktarto biyodov. Each white man had like an incense pan in his hand. Ve'atar anan haktores ola. And a thick cloud of incense uh, went up and uh, covered the room. So... Um, Apart from the fact that there was, um, you know, uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of people in this vision that were all practicing different types of Avodazora, every every type of Avodazora you could possibly think about. Not only that, but there were seventy men of the house of the elders of Israel, uh, and also Yazanyahu ben Shofar. So, uh, exactly who these people are, we'll see now. So Yechezkel, again, Yechezkel is describing a huge gathering of Jewish pagans. And the most prominent attendees were the Shivim Ish Mizikne Beit Yisrael. Now, the very fact that the that uh, Yechezkel is telling you there were 70 of them, that's indicative of the fact that they were the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, the men chosen to direct the Jewish people on the correct path, were in fact the very ones misleading the Jewish people uh, in the direction of idolatry, in the direction of Avodah in the direction of, uh, you know, this paganism. As um, Yishayol uh, will say later on, or Yishayol said earlier on rather, Isaiah in the third chapter, he says, Ami mashrayich matim, my people, it's your leaders that have led you astray. And here Yechezkel yeah, this is this is the proof of the pudding. Yechezkel is seeing thousands of Jewish pagans, and uh, the Sanhedrin are there with them, giving them a hand. And worst of all, the pasuk says, "Viaz Nayahu ben Shofon Omer Besolcho." Worst of all, the seventy-first and leader of the Sanhedrin was there as well, as Rashi adds. When Yechezkel sees the head of the Sanhedrin present overseeing the Avodah Zorah, Hikpidolov, Yechezkel was particularly disgusted by that. 
So you got this room entirely um, uh, inhabited by all these Jewish pagans. And I just want to make it clear that on the one hand, they were Jewish pagans, all right. But on the other hand, they, you know, they were, you know, they had Friday night dinner. And a lot of them put the filling on in the morning. And a lot of them, you know, bought a little of an and suckers. And uh, so it was like um, the, the Avodah Zorah they were practicing and the Judaism they were practicing was like joint. It was like um, a hybrid religion, which I don't know how you even you contemplate that type of thing. Um, but that is what was going on. We have very similar things today in, in Judaism, which I'm not going to discuss on tape. Uh, hybrid Jewish groups that, um, you know, practice uh, different d- different aspects of Judaism combined with uh, modern morality, which goes contrary to the Torah. But uh, that being said, um, this is a hybrid religion. So, but what he's seeing is the, is the pagan side of them. And as the Posik said, the huge gathering was standing, looking at the engravings and images and animals and everything else, all the various creatures uh, that covered the entire chamber. The Ishmak Tartabiyado, everyone present was involved in the pagan rituals. They were offering incense to these. Uh, these these deities, whatever it was, um, with their tools of the trade at the ready, containers used to burn incense, sacrifices, everything you can think of. So much so, says the Apostle, the Atar Anan Hactores Ola. Because there were so many participants, the room was completely enveloped in the smoke of all the burning incense rising up and filling the chamber. This is what Yecheskel is... Um, uh, experiencing. So, uh, as Yecheskel, shocked, absolutely shocked, you know, okay, so there's pagans, and there's a lot of them, but the thing that really shocks him, as Rashi points out, is that the Sanhedrin were there, taking part. These are the people, these are the Sanhedrin, these are the people that darshan halacha, these are the people that make gazeras, these are the people that make uh, decrees and takonas. Uh, for the Jewish people, and they were there. Are they? It doesn't say that they were practicing, but uh, or, but uh, they uh, were certainly there observing, and they they made no attempt to stop what was going on. So so God's now speaks to Yechezkel, like what you, you you what do you think of this? By um, Yomer Eli, this is verse twelve. By Yomer Eli, so God said to me. Have you seen, son of man, what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? Each one on his stone or marble tiled floor. Now, this is this is the source of the Abarbanel, really, because uh, it implies that... Uh, this was a conglomerate picture of everybody in their own homes doing something combined into one big picture. But it says, Ish Bechadre Maskiso. Each one of these uh, Jewish pagans uh, was on, the, on, on a stone floor, or a mar- marble tiled floor. Ki Omrim Ein Hashem Roasana. And they said, God doesn't see us. Ozav Hashem Oretz. God, uh, he's gone. He's gone to Miami for a vacation. 
and he's not coming back. So, obviously, you know, God, you, the way God describes it, um, you can see there's there's anger in the uh, quite clearly anger in the voice. So he says, "Ish bechadre maskiso." Now, this is something he's pointing out to Yecheskel. Each of these Jewish pagans is bowing down to their Avodah Zorah on stone uh, or a paved or marble tiled floor. Um, that's what maskiso means. It's, it, it generally means paved stone, stone or marble tiled uh, floor. And the first thing to say that this type, never forgetting about all the Avodah Zorah, forgetting about all the Avodah Zorah that's going on, all the creatures, all the engravings, all the paganism, everything, and all this sacrificing and incense burning that's going on in this room. Forget that all for one second. This type of bowing on a stone, on a stone floor is in itself a biblical prohibition. Um, even if you're not bowing down to an idol. Even if you're not bowing down to an idol, you're not allowed to bow down, bow down to you're not allowed to do that on a stone floor. And uh, this is an actual passage in the Torah. This is in Vayikra, chapter 26. Again, it's a, the, the context of the verse is talking about idol worship. Do not make idols for yourself. Upesel or umatseva losokimu. You shouldn't set up statues or monuments for your lochem for yourself. The even maskis lositnu baoutsachen leishtachavoseleho. And in your land, you must not place paving stone or marble stone on which to prostrate yourself. It couldn't be more clear than that. There's a biblical prohibition um, to um, there is a biblical prohibition to um, um, bow down in any way, shape, or form on a stone stoke, uh, stroke marble floor, and that's the reason. Well, it's part of the reason. If you remember back a couple of months, so we had Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. On Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we prostrate ourselves on the floor. But what do we do first? Before we do it, we take a towel or something, uh, some paper or whatever it is, to cover the floor first, in order that we don't transgress this biblical prohibition. Because even though some shuls, especially in Chutz Laaretz, in the United States, in England, South Africa, they've got carpeted floor. Here, in Israel, pretty much, um, there's... Uh, very often the shul's got a stone floor and you're not allowed to bow on a stone floor, not for anything, not under any circumstances or for any reason. So apart from anything else, um, God points out to Yechezkel here, like forget all the Avodah Zorah that they're doing, we can talk about that, but look look what they're doing. They're bowing down on the stone floor, which is absolutely biblically, biblically, biblically prohibited. Uh, just to mention this, this halach of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, people should be very makpid on it, because um, very makpid, very uh, strict with themselves about this halacha, because um, you don't on Yom Kippur during the avoda of Musaf, right? When it's a time for kapora, when it's a time that God forgives you for all your sins, you don't want to be going on 
bowing down on the ground and doing a <laughs> performing a biblical prohibition while asking for kapora. So it's actually it's like you know it's like reading it's like you know saying the Shema while eating a pork a bacon sandwich. So just don't do it. You'll be very very people should be very very makpid. On this halacha, I mean, it's a bit late for me to tell you that now, but uh, it's a halacha that should be people should be very makpid about. So again, back to back to Yehezkel. Um So again, um, just to see if we can complete this posuk, and uh, we're going to be able to finish this posuk. No, we're never going to be able to. Finish, maybe the the above and else again here continues his insistence that Yecheskel, that what Yecheskel is saying is actually a combined image uh, of a multitude of people practicing about Zor in their own homes that God has combined into a singular vision for him to observe so that he can see everybody he can see everyone in Yerushalayim uh, who's uh, 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 has become a Jewish pagan Ubav, this is the above and else Ubavo shehoya kolzeh because of all that God showed Yechezkel, how each Jewish pagan would worship his particular Avodah his particular idol, his particular um, uh, uh, statue, whatever it is, in the privacy of their own, in their own home, in a combined vision, Lochein. Omar Lanovi, Hariosa ben Adom HaShazik He says to him, have you seen? What the elders of Israel are doing in darkness. God, he says, God is showing all these Jewish pagans in their, be- um, in their beautifully um, uh, stone, marble, tiled private room that everyone has it had in their homes. Worshipping their particular Avodah And these Jewish pagans are confident in doing this, believing that God isn't really watching, or as the Redak says, they thought that God couldn't see what they were doing in the dark, in private. Like that is crazy idea that uh, if it was dark or in private, God couldn't see into your private home. He could see in the street, but he couldn't see in the private home. There's a, there's a, a mistake that Jews make today, right? They drive to, sh- drive to shul in the car, in Chutzlaretz mainly. They drive to shul in the car and they park it round the corner. So they don't want the, if their friends to see that they drove to shul and they assume that God can't see what they've done because they parked it round the corner. So, which is a ridiculous notion, right? So the Babanel says, and also that God has left the running of the universe to other agents, the stars, the angels, the demons, the animals, whoever it is they happen to be worshipping. So they're now in charge. So we can pray to them. God's left. God's left uh, the universe in the, in the care of uh, his uh, shlichim, uh, his uh, messengers and his uh, agents. And so we'll worship them, whether it be the stars, the sun, angels, animals, demons, whatever it is. Because uh, God doesn't care, he's gone, he can't see us. V'shalochem, 
And for that reason, they felt comfortable worshipping other so-called powerful spiritual beings. Because God had left control of the universe to them. To these, to the, the angels, or the sun, or the moon, or the, these spiritual, the demons, or whatever it is. And this was the second vision of uh, of the the abominations that was going on in Yerushalayim that God showed Yechezkel. So that's the second vision. So we had the first vision last week. We had the second vision today, this private room or this conglomerate room or this contrived room that God created for Yechezkel to see all the pagans of Yerushalayim worshipping idolatry together with either the uh, Sanhedrin were there either practicing with them or just there to observe and uh, not correct it. And next week we'll deal with the third, the third um, um, vision, but um, uh, which is, of course is getting progressively worse. Um, uh, but there's a footnote to this verse, which we have, won't have time for today, which comes from the Rashi's Chokhmah. Um, which deals with um, uh, well, well, it deals with the difference between a ganav and a gazlan. Uh, somebody who steals uh, in the dark, somebody who who's craftily breaks into your house uh, at night, and a gazlan. Somebody comes up to you in the street and points a gun in your face and says, "Give me your money." So uh, uh, this di- relates directly to the idea here of these people, they're practicing in the dark. The Chodshek, the Posset says. They're practicing privately, secretly. And why that is such a big avail. So that's all to come next week. That's where we'll pick up from um, next week. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the shear today. Um, we made a bit of progress, actually. But uh, unusually, we did quite a few psukim. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you have a good week, a good, great week. Fantastic week, and we'll all meet again in health and happiness, please God, next to same time, same place, next week. Um, and that's it. That's it from me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's completely awesome to do it. It's, it's completely awesome to do it. Let the Pope, let the Pope do it. The Pope does it, right? Let the Pope do it. Yeah, a Jewish person shouldn't do that. It's absolutely awesome. It's a, it's a bit, it, it's, you know, it's not like a rabbinic decree that you shouldn't do it. It's mamish, it's a posik in the Torah. You're not allowed to do it. Okay, that's it, guys. That's your lot. Have a great week. Uh, to the Americans, to the, to the, to the Israelis among you, have a great day, a uh, great evening. To the Americans, have a great day. And uh, enjoy, and we'll see you next week, please God. And uh, see you then. Hold up to everybody.